This is a crowd podcast. What's occurring, Tom? <sighs> What's occurring? That is my official rest day. What's occurring? Because I've had a rest day lying. I haven't really, but that's what you do on a rest day. Did you ever manage to sleep in on rest days? Or was it one of those things uh, where your body just wakes you up anyway? You're like, oh, actually, I could have slept today. Yeah, you still wake up at the time you've been waking up the previous days. But luckily, the tour generally starts a decent time, midday-ish. So um kind of means, yeah, I always get up last minute. So you eat breakfast three hours before, roughly. So... I'd still be getting up at nine most of the week, so can't really complain about that, can I? Waking up at nine, um, especially once you've had kids. That's one thing you learn to never complain about. Oh, but you woke up at nine today. I could have slept <laughs> till ten. That's something you don't tell your wife at home, isn't it? But, um, but yeah, no. It's sometimes you just want to keep going in a way. Actually, no, that's a lie. I never really want to keep going. It's nice to have the rest day, but you kind of definitely the next day then after a rest day, you kind of feel out of sync a bit. Or if you've had an uphill finish and you haven't gone on the bus afterwards, you've gone straight to a hotel, it just feels like your whole routine is slightly off. And the next day, you know, somebody else has taken your numbers off, put your pins somewhere else. You know, it's it's just not everything as you normally, you get a bit OCD, I find anyway, like that. And a rest day, for those who don't know, is never entirely that resty either, is it, if you are riding the race? No, yeah, you'll definitely do a bit of a ride. Some will do more than others. Some guys do have a day off. For instance, if there's a TT, for instance, in the Vuelta this year, um, there's a TT the day after a rest day. And Luke, you'll ride his bike, but potentially there's guys that just won't bother riding their bike. They'll have a complete day off and then they'll use the TT as a bit of a get the engine going again. Um, so they'll do a warm up, get a bit of a sweat, do the TT, and then they're ready to actually race. Because... Yeah, let's, they don't race the TT, basically. They get around it in as easy as possible, save the legs for the days to come. So um, that's the only time a guy wouldn't really ride. But yeah, generally you'll go, you'll do a couple of little openers, maybe 30 on, 30 off, or just something to keep the engine ticking over. And um, yeah, it's a mental thing as well. Like some guys feel like, oh no, I've got to do something. I've got to sweat, I've got to do this, got to do that. So um, whatever keeps you motivated, basically, or feeling confident. Depending on the route of the tour, it can be a massive transition um, day for a lot of the people following the race, for the support teams and for the media and everyone else. I remember in 2018, in your year, we had the first rest. I think we finished the previous stage in Roubaix, didn't we? And then started again in Annecy, all the way down in the Alps. I believe you flew while the rest of us drove. Uh, I'll take your word for that. <laughs> I can't remember anything. Um <laughs> Other than the two stages I won. But um, yeah, luckily with those things as well, you much prefer to fly straight after the race on stage yeah. nine, for instance, Sunday night, because you don't want to fly on a rest day because that's a real, it's not a rest day then if you like going into the airport, this and that. Um, and yeah, we did do that though, I'm pretty sure. We got into the hotel quite late, but it's nothing better then. You just wake up and you're there and you just go out on your bike, you do this and that. But yeah, I do... Um, feel for like the mechanics and stuff not so much a journalist to be honest Tom but <laughs> um, no no I, I just had to have a little diggy there but no I think some of the mechanics and the Swannies and these guys they're full gas and they yeah they got to do these long drives and things so you do feel for them there but at the same time you're very thankful to be getting on a on a flight um, yeah and obviously it's a charter one not quite 
a nice little private jet with eight of you on. It's like the whole race, obviously, all the riders and stuff. But yeah, they they put on maybe three big planes and get all the teams on. And uh, the main people, um, I remember in the Giro this year, there was even a few like in the, the commentators actually getting on there. So yeah, some of the journalists managed to blag that actually. Slightly worried now. Um, <laughs> I imagine on the flight, the in-flight meal is non-existent or useless. Yeah, no, I don't think they'll bring around a bit of water or um, maybe a juice, but or maybe you get a little biscuit or something. But no, nah, this yeah, nothing. Um, you get off generally in the tour, they'll give you a little bag, like a little lunch bag, basically with a baguette, a ham and cheese one, and a chicken one probably, and um, a little carton of juice and a water, basic, but you know, does the job. Yeah. Well, there's two things that often happen on rest days in the town where. Uh, the race is going to begin again the next day. That's that everyone who doesn't have soigneurs is using the same three laundrettes to do all their washing um, <laughs> and then hanging pants around the hotel room. And the other thing is that people like to sit around with a coffee and look back and look forward. So shall we do a little bit of looking back and looking forward as well? Um, let me start you off just to focus our minds. At the end of a busy rest day, I'm going to ask you for your team of the tour so far. Oh, it's quite a tough one, isn't it? Um I think Bora were really good. Um, getting in that break, obviously it was a lot on, on Jai to get in it himself, but having two teammates to drill it all day, um, that was a good team performance. I think obviously the one standout one is Alperson with their lead outs for Philipson. Three stages in the first week, that's huge. Um, obviously the big two teams, Jumbo UAE, they kind of, they haven't, I wouldn't say team of the week, but to be fair, if if Jumbo, I know we might be saying something completely different if Jonas had gapped Pog up uh, the Tourmalet and and Van Aert had ridden him to a minute, you know, advantage, it would be completely different, wouldn't it? But um, so Jumbo have actually been strong. It's just the fact that Pog's in the race really that stopped that happening on that day. But yeah, I'd have to go Alberson, I guess, wouldn't I? Out of those, out of those few. I think you have to just because those stage wins. So my list is Alperson. I've got UAE in there because of Adam Yates as well as Pog. Because if we think back to the first day, um, Bora for Hindley. I thought maybe EF education for Paulus. It's sort of the EF thing now, isn't it? It's like we're going to target King of the Mountains. That's going to be our thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the only thing about that is is a lot on him. You know, the team can help him a bit, but. He's got to do the. He's got to get in the break, and he he can get helped into it. But um, it's a solo mission for him, isn't it? A lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. So that kind of moving on to Ryder of the race so far. What would you say then? Well, he's got to be. He's got to be one of the guys up there. He's got to be up there. Um, Philipson, obviously, because of the stage wins. Um, do you know who? Yeah. This is an interesting one, and this is slightly blurring it with unsung hero. But this was a suggestion from one of my boys, my nine-year-old Jonty, who gave a big shout out to Tobias Johannesson, who is the young Norwegian who finished third on the sixth stage. But he's riding for Uno X. He's been popping up in quite a few breakaways, maybe unsung hero rather than rider of the week. But just one of those figures, a little bit like our friend Victor Le Fay, who you never would have predicted having such an impact on the race in the first week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think... Um I'm probably the wrong person to be chatting about this because I'll be honest, Tom, I haven't seen a lot of the race. <laughs> <laughs> I've kind of, even the stages I've seen, 
um, when I've known I've had to do a podcast, I've like made sure I've seen kind of what's happened, but yeah, I haven't been intently watching because okay. I've got a job to do as well. You know, like I'm working hard up here. Okay. Sun's out as well, by the way. Is it? Are you, are you changing your, yeah. your feelings about Andorra? Yeah, no, it is a nice place when the sun's out. It's good training. Um, but yeah, it's, Monaco hands down, mate. <laughs> I'm going to help you out a little bit then with unsung heroes. Well, in fact, maybe this is a, a sung hero. I was going to talk about Sepp Kuss, but he's not really unsung, is he? We're always singing his praises. Yeah, definitely not unsung. He, he's been, he has been good. Um, like Paulus, though, I don't think it's a top three for Ryder um, of the the race so far. Obviously, yeah, it's got to be Phillips and having it with three stages. I think so. Um I'm trying to think, like, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because you can't say Matthew van der Poel because whilst he's been amazing as a lead-out man, that's been in the service of Philipson, so you have to really put Philipson first. Ordinarily at this stage in a tour, you would talk about Wout van Aert, but because Victor Lafay got the jump to on be him. Fair, go on. To be fair, though, he, he has been actually... You always forget, he's just such high standards for van Aert, but that stage... It was a tourmalade stage, wasn't it? Yeah. He basically... Destroyed himself. He's just like... Yeah, he's on the front the whole bloody thing. The whole time. Um, and then, yeah, as you say, Lefay had him, didn't he? Wout could easily have a stage, at least, if, if that hadn't happened. He's always been... He's always just there, isn't he? He's always doing something. Like, he's always... Apart from that one day when I called him for winning the bloody stage. Yeah. He sat at the back of the old race. Yeah. What's with that? Having told the media that's what he was going to do. Yeah, I need to read the papers, don't I? <laughs> that was that's that was that's been shocking. Talking about all these good people, the flop of the week has been my predictions. I'm telling you, even come come stage nine, I was like, right, I'm going to do the opposite to what I think. So I think a breakaway is going to go, but nah, I'm going to go a normal GC guy. I'll go Jonas because I think Park will probably win. So I'll go Jonas. I'll just do completely opposite. I'll get a point on the board at least. What happened? Bloody big breakaway. Woodsy wins and Pog drops Jonas. I was like, jeepers. <laughs> I just, I'm out of options now. I don't know what to do, Tom. It's difficult because once you start losing, you start double guessing and second guessing, don't you? Like I was, I know this sounds ridiculous, but if you scroll back up the WhatsApp group, you'll see evidence for it. I was definitely going to go Michael Woods. And then I just, I think it's the Pluski's lead is monkey with my head. And I started trying to play it safe. I started basically going for second yeah. place. And I said, Pog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate. Tepluski told me today that he was, it was a toss up between Pino and Woodsy. I was like, oh, go home, mate. Go back to Belgium. <laughs> Do my head in. <laughs> uh, so we have a. Um, a little break for adverts and then we'll come back and we'll talk about the big battle at the top. Um, we can look forward a little bit and then maybe in the third part we'll have some questions from our listeners. Sound good? Tidy. Did you know that bananas are bad for monkeys? Did you know about all the pubs in the Houses of Parliament? Do you know how to make a curry in space? It's mind-blowing, but don't take our word for it. We've got a podcast that interviews zookeepers, politicians, astronauts, and everyone in between. And if you want hilarious stories and to learn about the weird and wonderful people of the world, then you should go and listen to our show, Things People Do, with me, Joe Marler. And me, Tom Fordyce. Search for Things People Do wherever you get your podcasts.
Right, let's look ahead to the second week then, Geraint. Um, the strange thing about this tour, we touched on this last week, is that so much has happened for the first week. So usually, or quite often at a tour, the first week is just the first week and there's some sprint stages and we haven't really seen much GC action. And there's often quite a few contenders all within, I don't know, a minute of the lead. But this is like a tour on fast forward, isn't it? It is, but I think also it's sort of messing with your brain a bit. Tom, like most people, like there generally has been like a, some high mountain stages before rest day though, no? There's plenty of tours where I've done where there's been at least two or three that like we've gone into the Alps or the Pyrenees. Oh yeah, um, or a little bit of sliding down past um, Planche de Belfi. That often pops up in the first week. Yeah, yeah. But granted, this has been race on every day there's been some sort of climb so it has been supercharged 100% um, and I haven't looked at the race one bit so I'm quickly <laughs> scanning through it now <laughs> but um, it's still going to give a lot you know I think um, I'm on stage 12 at the minute that's going to yeah it's just like I think the, the, the thing now which I think will be kind of good for the race in a way is the fact that Going back to, it was Luke that made the boxing chat analogy. Wasn't yeah, it? I liked it a lot. But it's almost like, yeah, so it was like Jumbo and UAE have, um, they've been like Tyson, haven't they? Almost like first couple of rounds, just come out swinging. I'm going to give you a knockout blow, end this here and now. And nice. neither have done it. And they've both been knocked down and they've both hit the canvas and they both stood back up. And now the second week, I think is going to be a lot more just a bit Mayweather style, you know? bit of jabbing bit of like oh, ducking diving jab, more, slip and move you know exactly yeah um, so it's going to be interesting and I think well it, it's going to be an exciting race 100% and you know because when we look back yesterday what was it nine seconds or something Pog brought back yeah or eight or so yeah mate I think it's going to be um a good one a good one like looking at this now where is this yeah so the day before the next rest day is probably the hardest on Sunday and um, that's a steep one as well because in the we've basically got the road book on our drop box and on the climbs they give it like green like 0 to 3% oh, i got a key here 0 to 3 is green 3 to 6 is blue Six to nine is red, and then over nine is black. Whoosh. And there's quite a bit of black on that last day, so yeah, um, it's going to kick off, and it's going to be spicy. It's just going to be building to use what somebody else has said already—a big crescendo. Oh, with Cav, yes, someone said that one. It was building to, so we still got a big, big uh, GC battle on our hands. It's going to be exciting. It will be. Let's have a little look. Before we jump too far ahead, let's have a look, little look at Tuesday's stage. So this is stage 10 from Volcania to Izwa, 162 kilometres. It's got that sort of profile that imagine if you'd taken your front door key and you sort of looked at it from the side really close to your face. It's got that sort of profile, mm. hasn't it? Yeah, I'd say definitely breakaway. Mm. Um, so I might just go for Pog. <laughs> if you just said Pog like every time... <laughs> for the rest of the tour. That probably wouldn't be a bad tactic because you'd guarantee yourself a certain number of points, <laughs> wouldn't you? True, true. I mean, it's not but, really um, in the spirit of the competition. No, no. And the other night I was thinking, this is a stupid game. I'm not even playing anymore. 
you do your stupid predictions um it's a tough start though as well after a rest day you know they're straight up a third cat and seeing it is a breakaway stage that that's going to hurt a lot of guys it's going to go for a while i reckon it could potentially keep going 60k they hit a second category climb it could be full-on racing for a good amount of uh of k's tomorrow and you know it's there's two third cat climbs you know only five percent average but you know 5k 8k and after a rest day a lot of people can react differently especially to a hard start um because if you think about it when you've done nine days full-on racing and then you just roll around for an hour or whatever your body just sort of like holds on to everything and you you can swell you can be a couple of kilos heavier can you? purely water oh for sure yeah if you for me if i did nine days straight racing then didn't did an hour easy and had a lot of pasta and salt i'd probably be two kilos two and a half kilos heavier wow. the next day just with fluid retention and um and then you just feel terrible and then it takes a good well, a stage to, to feel normal again um, so yeah a hard start like that I think it's gonna hurt a lot of people um, but yeah I definitely think it'll be a breakaway like uh, Jumbo obviously have the the jersey they're not gonna be um, too concerned really uh, I know who I'm gonna go for yeah already can I say yeah go for it I've put mine in the WhatsApp group so let's see if you've nicked it I'm just gonna go Wout Van Aert oh yeah I sort of, I know what you're saying there. Yeah, because I'm, I'm trying to play a, a bit safe. Uh, the next day after that is a sprint day, is it? Like, you know, he was so active last year. I don't think him going deep and it really matters anyway. He'll recover. He'll still be there to do his job for Jonas. I think he'll get the green light to go and he'll just get in there and he'll win the stage. Who else should people be looking at? So I have put Magnus Court down as my pick because he hasn't done too much in the race so far but this is a sort of stage that traditionally suits him some people are talking about our friend Fred Wright uh, who is in decent form after the Nationals um, he's also um, gets bonus marks for coming on the GTCC um, which means we favour him slightly more than yeah. other riders yeah for sure um, what I, I thinking about my team Ineos someone like Castro Omar um yeah, Omar. Um, the other two are top 10. Um, Carlos and Tom. Tom did a great ride yesterday, mm -hmm. by the way. Shout out to Tom. I think that's the first time um, he's, well, done a ride like that, really. Obviously, he went up to Wes last year from a breakaway, but it's the first time he's been with the GC guys and been there with them. So, yeah, shout out to Tom. Um, I think it's just breakaway specialists, really, like or not specialists, but just good strong riders. Like Lucas obviously said, Morich, um, guys like that, Jorgensen. Off the top of my head again, I've gone a bit blank, Tom. But. <laughs> let me get so. let me get you off the hook a little bit here, because and this might come up in the third part of the show where we have some questions from the listeners, or a related question might do without spoiling the surprise. But how is your head, if you haven't been watching that much, for very legitimate reasons, as you say, you're training hard. How is your head in terms of not participating? Because you've had a few ups and downs so far. You've had days where you weren't nothing of it and you've had days where you were twitching and you really fancied it. Yeah, it's, I do miss it because it's the tour and it's a great race to be part of. But I just know after the Giro, I wouldn't have been 
as good as I could be and I'd just be that's almost worse um, so yeah got this goal of going to the Vuelta instead so that's keeping me uh, motivated and going so to be honest it's I just need to think of that when I'm watching it thinking oh it would be nice to be in there now um, especially when you see like your own team starting to ride well um, you know like yesterday seeing Tom do well and um, but yeah it's just one of them isn't it it's just like pfft. yeah it's it's just any race you're not in to be honest like I watch Strada every year like oh it'd be great to do that and then it comes around to it and for whatever reason you end up doing a different programme it's just uh, you know, I always get it that's why I'm like that's why I just keep on racing should have retired years ago mate <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we wrap up this little section of the show talking about retirement Luke and I talked about Cav on Sunday on yesterday's pod you know him really really well you've spent so much time with him down the years whether it's in Manchester whether it's out in Karata in Italy whether it was the year you had together on Sky whether it was being part of his lead out for the world's road race in Copenhagen in 2011 so just tell us how you felt when you saw the news about Cav yeah it was terrible wasn't it it was just like he just gutted for him obviously he showed he had the speed and yeah as we all know in sprints just a bit of luck and you know having a, an open door in front of you um to go through or you know get yourself in the right place and anything can happen especially when you got the speed as he does clearly um and yeah to just crash out like that is it sucks and then there's all the talk you know vino saying you know if you want to do another year there's there's space for you or whatever yeah we'll see but um whatever happens I think you know he's he's just been incredible having it his career like 34 wins in the tour just having 34 wins like <laughs> yeah there's not many people with 34 wins or more I haven't I'm sure mine's less or it is it must be so it's it's nuts so um yeah incredible incredible career and um yeah, whether he continues or not, it's completely down to him, isn't it? And see what, you know, family and everything. Because and, he still races, he still loves it, doesn't he, when he's racing. But it's that's only the, the finished article that people see. Like Nobody sees all the hard work and graft that you've got to do to get into that shape. And it's bloody hard. And I think if mentally he's like thought, right, I'm retiring now and I just, I just can't do this anymore. Like the the groveling and the you know in the winter months and you know his his family are based in Essex so no offence to Essex but it's not the nicest place to train put it that way I've never trained there but good job you know, I was good job I was born there isn't it done a lot of riding there <laughs> seen the shape I'm in <laughs> pretty backs up your point uh, but you know compared to some of the other places like you kind of gotta live really so he spends a lot of time from his family and this and that but then you look at the other side, it's like, well, it's only one more year, blah, blah, blah. But it's all it's all down to him, in it, really? Um, and it's mentally, like physically, I think he, he could definitely do one more. But it's the mental, I'd say it's, it's not even 50-50, it's 80-20 when, when it comes to that stage of your career in the head. So, yeah, um, he'll he'll make the, the right choice, I'm sure. So, But yeah, when, it, when I saw that he crashed out, I was just like, ah. Oh. Even if he didn't get the records, just for him to have a go at every sprint you know it was just 
then he could be happy by having that little thing there. It's just like, ah, but you know, you can't just see that one crash that one year, um, you know, put it like tarnish his career. Cause it's just insane in it. Definitely. Right. Listeners questions coming up after this. Just while we're doing adverts, I've got something to plug. I will be on stage this November in Cardiff and in London for the GTCC live tour. And you can get your tickets now. Tom, you're going to be there, right? Yes, I will. Fact. So this is your chance to join the Geraint Thomas Cycling Club in person for the very first time. Yeah, you do not want to miss our very first live show. Yeah, and that's not all. If you buy a ticket today, you will get a signed copy of G's new book. It's out in November and it's all about the greatest rides you can do on your bike across the world. You'll basically be pre-ordering that and you'll get a copy signed by G himself. So if you want the book and you want it signed, then get a ticket for the live show. So we are in London on November the 6th. And in Cardiff on November the 7th. GTCC Live, the greatest ride coming soon to a stage near you. As long as you live near London or Cardiff. Hello, I'm George Groves, former world champion, and I've started a club. Oh, yeah, what's all this about then? World Deck is the George Groves Boxing Club. You seen that George Groves geezer and James DeGal going at it? Oh, there's a clip. Boom. It's everything you wanted to know about sparring, ring walks, weigh ins, promoters, dream fights, everything, the lot. I was the only white girl in there. <laughs> he used to call me White Tyson. Probably, I'd rather prefer to be George Groves than Barry Hearn. The George Groves Boxing Club. New episodes every Wednesday. Just search for the George Groves Boxing Club in your favourite podcast app now. Right, Tom, are all these questions directed at me or can I ask you one? You can ask me one. By all means, the top one's a cracker. We're coming hard out the blocks with this first one. Uh... I haven't read that. I just saw the G, so I just skipped it. Oh, did you? All right. I'm, I'll throw that one at you first then, shall I? And I'll answer it as well, to be fair. This is from Michael Wicks, and I like the cut of Michael Wicks's jib. Michael Wicks says, where would G be on GC if he were riding this year's tour? <laughs> uh, I'd be leading, obviously. Yeah, about three or four minutes at this stage? Yeah, yeah. I would have just taken advantage of them both knocking each other out and just... <laughs> would have been like that Royal Rumble and I would have been, I don't know, some dude that nobody inspected, expected, you know? Just been playing dead on the canvas for 20 <laughs> minutes and then just stand up. Wee. <laughs> um, I, I, yeah, it's a million dollar question, isn't it? But I don't know, I, I wouldn't be anywhere, to be honest, actually. If I'd been riding the Giro, like this exact state I'm in, um, I wouldn't have been anywhere. I would have been trying to go for a stage and helped whoever was trying to go GC so 37th okay I'm not Michael Wicks but I'm going to put myself in Michael Wicks shoes and give you an alternative scenario which is um, you're riding this year's tour and you haven't ridden the Giro so your (laughs) programme is Uh, all about getting ready for the tour and if you want me to be even more Michael Wicks about it I'm going to say would you be higher or lower than Carlos Rodriguez and Tom Pickcock (laughs) um Look. Is that a higher? But you don't want to say it. Oh. Oh, yeah, higher, definitely higher. Yeah. But, <laughs> no, I was trying to think of, um, I've heard all these facts about how quick Jonas went 
up Tourmalay. But yeah, I can't even, um, I don't know what the watts and stuff were or power to weight. I, I just heard like some crazy numbers about when he attacked and stuff. So they're absolutely flying. Like they're, they're one of a kind then pair. So yeah, I'd like to think I'd still be able to mix it with them. But um, who knows, mate? Who knows? Look, we all saw your attack in week three of the tour last year. That <laughs> glorious attack yeah. that really put the fighters on them for upwards of exactly. 20, 30 seconds until they just yeah, rode back yeah. to you. So, you know. Well, that's the thing. Car- uh, not Carapaz. Uh, Castro was cracking up himself. Oh, gee, uh, that attack. He was watching it on the phone <laughs> afterwards. He's like, oh, look how fast they come back at you after. I was like, mate, at least I was able to do it. Like, <laughs> uh, uh, but anyway, yeah, there we go. Let's move on pretty quickly. Uh, what is worse, rising in the heat of 35 degrees or cold and wet like Jiro weather? So this is from Paul White. Yeah, that's to you, Tom. Is it? <laughs> I'd rather have the cold and wet Paul White because that's all I've become accustomed to since moving to the northwest of England about 11 years ago. Yeah. Um, 35 degrees, degrees sounds delightful. But I literally cannot remember the last time I got to ride my bike in 35 degrees. What about the elite road rider amongst us? <laughs> yeah, no, I used to be the same. I used to be exactly like you, being from Wales. But as the years have gone by, I got more and more used to the heat. And I actually prefer the heat now, I think. Um, yeah, I still, like the Swiss last year was maybe 34 to 36 degrees average for the eight days. And, um, well, yeah, I won the race and I felt like I felt good in it. So... Yeah, come a long way. I remember my first tour, the tarmac was melting. Um, it was like 40 degrees, one of the transition stages. Even though I don't like that, transition stage makes it sound easy, you know? You do 200K in the bloody 40 <laughs> degree heat. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was um, unbelievable, terrible. It was the worst thing ever. So, But luckily I've got used to it over the years. And um, yeah, the wet and cold now, oh. Nothing like nothing worse. Okay, and that feels to me like an idea at the first week in Andorra. So we'll move on to a question <laughs> from Dickie G. Dickie G says, "Are you and Luke? And I'm assuming he means you here, G. Um, are you and Luke still off to the worlds in August? If so, when are we meeting for a pint?" Um, <clears throat> I'm sure we've heard of Dickie G before, haven't we? I think so. Because I thought it was someone taking the piss out of me. It was just a pseudonym. <laughs> Is that the word pseudonym? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, sound. Um, no, yeah, we, I'm not doing the road race, so I'll be in the TT. So, okay. yeah, I come straight from Poland. Poland finishes Friday, road race is Sunday, and then TT following Friday. So, yeah, I won't be there with Luke, but um, I'm sure Luke will be free for a pint Sunday night, that's for sure. Fond memories of Glasgow, though, for you, which is Glasgow is the um, host city for the Worlds this year. Fond memories from you from a day in 2014 at the Commonwealth Games when it pissed it down all day and the bloke from the neutral service vehicle nearly blew your chance of Commonwealth gold. Yeah, yeah. Fond memories in the result, but not in the actual day because I was absolutely, yeah, crazy weather. Um lashing down all day basically but yeah and then we had the world's longest wheel change and they were they were normal what are they called again um skewers quick release mm. skewers yeah that's the word so yeah it wasn't even all this blinking through axles oh, we yeah we've been through this haven't we <laughs> i don't know the words for anything these days <laughs> but um yeah so that was yeah luckily it didn't end my my race i still managed to win so yeah Fond memories, okay. but hopefully the weather's a bit better this time. 
Definitely. Here is a nice question from Stuart Wilkins, and it's the sort of sharp, pointy question that makes me think Stuart Wilkins could cut it in the press pack. His question, do Luke and G, in this case G, think that fourth or fifth on GC is of greater importance than a stage win? Referencing Tom Pidcock's situation. Uh, I think for Tom, probably, yeah. I think the, it's, it's not just yeah fourth or fifth on GC it's like the whole race for him like as we said at the start of the preview it's a kind of from stage one to stage 21 just learning so much about a grand tour riding GC and performing day in day out and saving energy spending energy doing the right things fueling sleep you know rest days you know everything um, leading a team or co-leading a team as he will be with Carlos and I think that whole everything you learn from that I think is invaluable so I think yeah him doing that is is a big plus a big positive even if he's not even if he's 12th I think it's still worth doing um, and like I said in the pod it was more someone like Egan he doesn't really need to do that what's 8th to him okay it shows progression and he's coming back and blah 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 but I'd say he's more, he should go for stages more, which I think he is now. And now he's dropped out the, the GC um, or even the polka dot, as I said. But so, yeah, no, good on him. And he's he's coping well so far. Obviously, he has had the best day of the tour so far on stage nine. So it's promising. It's easy to forget, isn't it? Partly because of what other young riders are doing, namely uh, Snoop Pog or Remco in other races. It's easy to forget how young Tom Pickock is in his road racing career because he's done so much and he's Olympic mountain bike champion. He's been world cyclocross champion. It's easy to forget that he's still quite early in his transition, by, by old fashioned standards, at least in his transition to, to road racing. Yeah, most definitely. And that's the thing that kind of cracks me a bit these days where even if there's a good 25, 26 year old and I'm like, oh, that, that guy's good and he? he could like do something and then someone's like yeah but 25 26 it's like yeah like what <laughs> what does that matter like it doesn't mean everyone's like thinks you got to find a 19 year old that can win the tour just find someone that could potentially win the tour that's the point no like who, who cares how old they are and it's kind of just seen as like oh yeah it's that's that winds me up that does but um but yeah i think that performance or learning is invaluable and especially because as you say he's playing about in the mud as well at the same time wait till he like leaves that behind and actually focuses on a real man sport and uh, <laughs> <laughs> goes goes for some grand tours properly but um, now you can see the progression though that's the um, that's the important exciting thing that point you're making there about how everyone expects young riders to be ready to ride the tour and the fact that we often see Pog in the the white jersey has made me think that maybe so much has changed in men's elite road racing that we need to flip it around that we need to get rid of the white jersey for the best young rider and we need to have a grey jersey for the best old rider <laughs> best rider over the age of 35 plus, a nice grey jersey yeah yeah or 34 whatever it wants to be I'm just you know is the grey jersey yeah. what you'd want to go for if you were going back to the tour maybe not but a jersey is a jersey you'd be on the podium in the Champs-Élysées I was about to say that Tom a win's a win no matter what so, yeah, I'd I'd take grey jersey and stand on the podium. <laughs> Actually, yeah, and I wouldn't make a thirty. I'd make it yeah thirty six or something because there's not many of us now. There really isn't like it's 
like 30 plus riders are just getting more and more, and more rare. Yeah, let's have a grey jersey. Come on, let's start a petition. Start a grey jersey. You'd have no problem whatsoever finding a sponsor. Maybe it could be for like um, a cruise um, or for a retirement complex or for... I was thinking more wills. <laughs> exactly solicitors offering a service of drawing up wills yeah. get the grey jersey out get it sponsored someone maybe someone can design us uh, what's occurring audience someone can design us a grey jersey for G to compete for when he goes back to the tour in the last couple of years of his career <laughs> yeah we'll see we'll see if it goes that long time we'll see <laughs> right one more question before we go and this is the most important question of all from Peter Zelenak uh, Peter would like an expert's opinion on this. Who is the best mascot? Is it Lupo Wolfi from the Giro or the Tour line? He would also like to hear Max's opinion on this. Perhaps we can bring him Max's opinion uh, later this week. Mm -hmm. I think just the the lions because they're just iconic. Everyone knows a lion. And I was going to say you only get them in the Tour, but you don't. You get them in Paranese and Dauphiné as well. But there's something about a tall lion which has just got that... Um, What's that prestige almost to it? So uh, if a cuddly toy can have prestige, the tour line has it. Yeah, and the main, the main is quality on it. Is it? It's quite um, thick. Yeah, 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 and it's proper. It's a bit like my hair, actually, when it gets a bit long. Um, but to be say saying all that, that wolf thing. Um, what was this called? Wolfy something. Whatever it was, whatever the name is, it's class as well. The best one though is that try the. Tirreno trophy. Tell me more. What's it called? The three prong. Oh, the trident. Yeah, that's the best trophy. Nice, because you can use it at a barbecue. Yeah. There's not many trophies that you can use as a barbecue implement. No, but it, it is. A, it's really plastic and flimsy, though. Oh, it doesn't it? look it. Yeah, but still, quality one. And just got to say, the question I said was from Paul White, by the way. I don't think I gave him a shout out. So, there we go. Hot and cold, Paul White. There you go. So, Right, there that, you have it. that is officially our rest day pod. It is Hugh and Luke back together again, G, for the first time in a little while on Tuesday. Um, it will be interesting to see what happens. Interesting to see what happens with our predictions league. Will there be any points for any of us? Are you going to be bringing up the uh, Gruppetto in the predictions league? The next time we get back together, we shall see. No doubt, I'll be there. See you then. Topping you all up. Cheers, bud. See you then. Ciao, ciao. Crowd Network, a place where you belong. <laughs>